This is the MS Show, the podcast for people with multiple sclerosis and their families who want information and inspiration. I'm Bron Webster. I've been living with MS for over 20 years. I'll be sharing with you tips, stories and ways to keep going with MS. Today I'm really pleased to be chatting with Beth Skorowska. Beth's a Pilates teacher who's got lots of experience and is specialised in helping people with multiple sclerosis. In fact, she's done the Pilates exercises for the MS Society. She's also led workshops at MS Life and Living with MS over the last five or six years. So you might have come across Beth if you've been to any of those conferences. Let's find out a little bit more about how Beth got involved in working with people with MS and doing all this Pilates and how she is really helping people to stay physically active when they live with MS. So please welcome to the show, Beth Spirovska. Hi, Bronwyn. Hi, thanks for being here, Beth. So can I start, Beth, by asking you how you came to go on the journey of helping people with MS through Pilates? I haven't always been a Pilates teacher. Um, At university, I was at Cambridge. I read natural sciences and land economy. I was um, a very keen rower. And uh, I hurt my back a little bit whilst doing that. Nothing, not a serious injury by any means, but just it sort of was hurting for a couple of weeks after a particularly heavy session on the river. Mm. And um, and from from university, um, I uh, I went to I went to work in banking, and uh, I began to specialise in marketing. After a few years of that, I took my marketing specialism back to science when I was working um, in a scientific software company. And I suppose through that, I developed quite a number of different skills. But I think I'd really, I really only faced real emotional pain and a real sense of just having to be right back into my very, very fundamental, just keep breathing, sort of just keep putting one step in front of the other sort of a state. When I, um, when I had three miscarriages all in over the course of 18 months or so. Oh, dear. Yeah, that's hard. It's really hard. And I think it's something that's just not really <clears throat> talked about enough. Mm. Perhaps <clears throat> perhaps people perhaps people listening will will relate to this where you you have such a great sense of loss that you actually feel that your old self has has died and either something new that is informed by that old self rises up again or 
just nothing rises up again, you know, and that's and that's it. And <clears throat> whilst I can't say that I have my own experience of an MS diagnosis, I, you know, I don't. I I have experienced that sense of of complete loss mm. and complete hopelessness. And knowing that there's a bridge that either you cross over and you kind of go and meet whatever life is on the other side of that, or you just don't and you kind of stay in the abyss. But crossing over that bridge uh, is is a huge challenge as well. And so I I experienced that, those great losses. And and for me, I found that a really helpful thing to do was talk to people about what had happened somehow so that some of those people who were, you know, in my old life with me could maybe make that journey over the bridge with me. Mm. Who could maybe in some way have an empathy, something of an experience of I've changed. This has been so profound to me. I have, I have changed. I've never sensed, I've had that such, such a deep sense of, of change in my own body, my own emotions, my own, my own life. Mm. And I think that if, if we can come through that, in whatever way helps us best, whether it's spiritually, physically, emotionally, um, then whatever has gone before, whatever was so painful, can can actually help us be a, a, a richer self. And we've still got that fundamental essence of ourselves, but somehow it's it's a better sense of ourselves, even though we we have lost something huge as well mm. and, and maybe then you know and I and I feel that this is perhaps what you're able to do now is is to be able to offer that helping hand across the bridge for people in in their own circumstances you've got a daughter now um who's become your world and rightly so um it enables you to put a new perspective on things. Absolutely. Um, something something happened in her early babyhood, which was was I picked her up and it triggered this old little back injury that I mentioned from my rowing days. Mm-hmm. And it didn't just trigger it in a small way. It was another one of those moments of profound change. Yeah. <laughs> picked her up and it put my back into such a such a painful spasm that for six months I was barely moving there was talk of surgery there was talk of wheelchairs and it was like one of those moments where once again you know you feel as if well I've got to got to look at this and it's either you know one way or the highway sort of thing mm-hmm. um and that that's how that's actually how my Pilates journey began. It was in 2011 that uh, I began this particular journey. And um, so then I embarked upon my first session 
And honestly, when I walked out of that session, I was I was I was floored, really, because I'd been so used to exercise being punishing and painful and almost as if you had to switch your mind off from what your body was saying and doing in order to do the exercise. Whereas, yeah, yeah, in this Pilates session with this wonderful teacher whose name uh, is Yana, I had my eyes open to another approach, but I realized it, it was going to take me quite a lot to get my head around it. But in the state I was in with my back so painful and the possibility of surgery being mentioned and a young child that I wanted to be able to be active with and just not being able to be because of the pain, I thought, well, I've, got, I've just got to try and embrace this new way of thinking about moving. Mm. And um, it, it, was, it was transformative. It helped me through to a more stable place in my own body and it was only actually when I moved away from uh, that area where I was living and then realized actually that I couldn't quite find a teacher who was able to fill that gap I thought well this has been very important in my recovery this this Pilates Um, I need to find out more about it and so that's when I embarked upon the teacher training and really Bron it was not because I was in search of a new career that was the thing that was actually furthest from my mind (laughs) it was that I just felt I needed to go to the horse's mouth if I wanted to deepen this journey uh, with with Pilates in order to continue to help myself then I I needed to go and do this more in-depth training. And then it was only actually on the course, which is a very practical course where you practice teaching all the time through the course that I discovered, wow, actually, I love doing this, sharing and giving away what had been so helpful to me, diminishing that. In fact, I found that by sharing it and giving it away meant that it was even more enriching for me and the more I worked with other people and did my training the more I did indeed understand and so it it helped me and my body go from strength to strength but then also my clients the same so that's how I got into Pilates initially Mm -hmm. so there was this fantastic partnership between the MS Society the training company and Mariska Breland, and I thought, well, that is going to be good training. That's going to mean mean something. And so I uh, went on that course, and uh, it was one of the best courses I've ever done in any discipline. And I felt very well equipped after that to be able to reach out to MS Society groups and people with MS to be able to offer to share it. And uh, so you had your MS guinea pig to get you through the final stages of your training. Um, mm. And can I ask a sort of what is the difference between uh, as a client, I think, experiencing Pilates? What would be the difference that somebody would experience if they were in an MS Pilates class as opposed to? A standard Pilates class? I hope that the answer is anywhere near as good as the question. <laughs> uh, 
a lot a lot is going to depend on on the teacher a huge amount will depend on the teacher's own experience and what they bring to it and a huge amount is going to depend on the the client themselves and the group that they're in mm. so if i can perhaps compare my ms society group classes which currently run on zoom mm-hmm. with my general not specifically for someone with ms but people with ms are absolutely welcome and indeed there are people in ms with ms in my general classes so if i were to compare the two i would say my my specific ms society classes tend to be able to help those who are more severely affected because we tend to focus on exercise that's done seated or standing mm. and it's more unusual in those groups at the moment for someone to get down onto the mat because of the difficulties of getting back up yeah that's right but yeah. it's but then on the other hand in my um what we could call general pilates groups um i do have some members with ms um but they're not as not as severely affected mm-hmm. and uh and so getting up and down to getting up and down from the mat um is not such a worry but i'll always make sure that they will have a wall by them in you know non covid situations yeah <laughs> at the moment obviously we're all we're all at home which gives gives a really nice freedom actually I think for people and I've been noticing with my MS society classes that actually um, some people who were finding it difficult to get to the groups in person because of the travel then the parking and all of the energy that it entails just to get out they're not having to do that and so those people have been able to access the remote classes. That's yeah I get that I'm Mm -hmm. able to do so much more now that everything is being offered through Zoom. And you've hit the nail on the head. The whole getting up, getting out, getting into your car, driving, getting back out again, and the energy involved. If you can preserve that somehow, you've got so much more to be able to then expend in your Pilates class. You've got better, better appearance rates, like attendance rates, I guess. It's been different, I have to say. So those members of the MS Society classes who, I mean, this is not exclusive, but but those those who haven't come to the Zoom classes are perhaps those who have been more able to get out and use their exercise hours, you know, re- really keen to encourage health in, in the sense it's not just musculoskeletal health. There's the mm. emotional aspects there's the societal community aspect as well I think of of being in a group and certainly in the certainly the my MS society classes I think they're the groups that value the community element more than any other groups Mm. so there's a little cafe where we meet and without fail you know there's always a good handful of people who will go for coffee together afterwards and recover from their, you know, gentle Pilates together, um, yeah. but also to connect and not not always talking about MS, obviously, yeah. but to know that they've got mates who share 
some experience of what it is to live with it, but then obviously can go beyond that. Yeah, I think that community is really, really important. And um, I, I did used to go to a Pilates class. It wasn't an MS-specific Pilates class. And I loved that community feel. I loved going and chatting to some of the other school mums so, Beth, I'm just wondering what examples you might have seen um, in the people that you've worked with and the benefits that they've gained from doing Pilates with their MS. Mm. If, we, if we read some of what Joseph Pilates, the original founder of the method, um, says, it's obviously evolved an awful lot since then but if we go back to some of the original writings what comes through really loud and clear is that that body awareness is central to this as a way of moving and as a way of thinking about move movement and that that reminds me of um one of my uh one of my clients who has ms and she was well, you know, just on her way out of the class one one Tuesday, and she said, "Hmm, well, that feels better." When I when I come in here, when I come in the studio, I don't like to think about that side of my body. You know, she was referring mm. to her left side, mm. um, which is most heavily affected by the MS. But in the class. I, I have to think about it. I have to be aware of it. You make me think about it and I move it. And then by the end, I realise that it's moving better and that it was actually worth addressing that side of my body that for the rest of the week, I would rather wish wasn't there. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I aim to help people to be aware of their bodies in a non non-judgmental way mm. and then also to equip people with various tools for using and moving their bodies in a successful positive way and so and that's that applies across the board whether someone has ms or parkinson's or stroke or osteoporosis or back pain or whether they're an athlete with no problems I might use a visual image so for example a posture image just taking that example Bron that you gave mm. how to be thinking about being upright and open so for some people it might work to say imagine that you have a helium balloon attached to the very crown of your head that swirly bit where the hair just makes that little swirl. Imagine there's a helium balloon attached just there and that effortlessly that balloon would be lifting you up. And it might be that someone responds to that image maybe being on their breastbone instead. Imagine now the breastbone has got this helium balloon attached onto it. And without any effort from you, lighter than air, that's drawing you up at the front and opening you out. So for some people, the imagery speaks volumes. Mm. And as you were talking through that just then, 
I was working, the one that was on the top of my head worked for me and it made me sort of try and correct my poor, and it is poor, neck posture. So I was automatically then thinking, right, let's get my neck to behave itself Mm. and, you know, just allowing myself to feel elongated Mm. and, you know, being positioned upwards um and it is it's just hearing those words and I'm already tapping into it I feel like I'm about to start a Pilates class right yeah (laughs) that's obviously because I'm talking with a Pilates teacher but then there might be other there might be other people in the conversation with us now listening for whom the visual imagery doesn't land and they Mm. might need something different so if we were to take a different approach now this applies when we're when we'd be together with the client but someone might respond really well to touch another person it might be painful to touch them but for someone else maybe what's going to help them is a, is a physical touch a tactile cue as we you know is as we sort of use that sort of um uh, that language of that and so so a tactile cue there could actually be for someone just hand on their breastbone, just gently lifting the breastbone up mm-hmm. and saying something like the, uh, your breastbone's lifting away from the pubic bone. Notice the shoulder blades and I might touch the shoulder blades, feel them sliding down at the back and I'd be sort of guiding the shoulder blades a little bit down at the back. Might be just stroking the collarbones outwards so they feel more open there. And then perhaps for their head and their neck, you mentioned the neck, just lengthen a little bit up to your hairline at the back just elongating there with my touch at the back so that's what might work for someone whereas the words Mm. don't necessarily land for someone else it might be that they just want to know the the absolute fact so it could be well make sure your head is right on top of your shoulder girdle and make sure your shoulder girdle is right on top of the pelvic girdle and if you're standing that that is all right on top of the feet. And we might line someone, perhaps, you know, have have a wall behind us just to try and feel some of those points, not all the points of the body, of course, because it's got natural curves in it, but line up some of those curves against the wall. And so there's there's different tools for accessing different people, both in the session, but then that they can use those ideas in their mind's eye Mm. all the way through the week or you know when it is until we till we meet again that's a, a really sort of intuitive way of then being able to hold the class and tap into different people's needs and so that's that's really useful and I hope for people listening that you've actually got something from that and that you might have said oh I feel that I'm aligning or I'm I'm more upright and you know that's just automatically then hopefully people have got a method of taking something away as well and aligning mm-hmm. their posture mm. um, that's really really good thanks for, for that oh, example oh that's my pleasure yeah um I mean there's what well, one of the things that um that distinctly differs in my MS society classes and my general Pilates classes is is to think specifically about those things that very commonly are a worry to people with MS. So something like foot drop, for example, mm. 
and I'm always doing things with the with the feet in most classes, but particularly in the MS Society classes. And um, when I started um, the MS classes, I, I did a like a baseline study of the some of the members' um, capabilities, and these things were a mixture. I've just got my papers here about it because this is in 2014 we did it April 2014 there were there were some physical measures and everyone um the 10 members of the group at the time were were, um all you know party to this and so we we measured certain things so we for example measured uh, when it comes to um foot drop so we measured the angle that they could lift their foot to so the Mm. angle of dorsiflexion is the uh, angle uh, from the shin bone, tibia, uh, to to the foot. Mm. So I got a little device. It's called a goniometer, which looks a little bit like one of our old school protractors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, got got that out uh, and measured the angle that they could lift their foot to uh, on our um, you know first first measure, measurement session. Uh, measured some other things as well. Um, balance. Mm-hmm. So we used a balance pad. And uh, we were timing how long could someone stand on the balance pad with their eyes open, with their eyes closed, on their left leg, on their right leg, etc. So we just got some baseline measures. Um, we did a core strength measurement um, and we did the first 10 week course where I was specifically t- tailoring the Pilates to those needs of people with MS, the wanting to walk more easily. The wanting to be able to get dressed more easily with less fuss. The wanting to, you know, really feel that you could walk more confidently. And then after the ten weeks, we did another another review session. Did all those measures again, mm. and there was a there was an improvement in all of them. Now, it's not a hugely defensible scientific study because there was not a control group of 10 other people with MS who were not doing Pilates. They might, mm. you know, they, they might have got together and, and had a discussion group or something. You know, that would have been a good control group. It was just, it was just our Pilates group. Mm. And they were their own controls. We'd got how they were before, how they were after the 10 weeks. But all of the things improved. Um, what improved the most was the core strength and balance. What, what improved the least but still did improve was the um uh the leg strength but everything improved and and all of those you know how challenging do you feel certain daily activities were they all showed some improvement and the walking was the one that showed the best improvement they are phenomenal results that's really you know they are to have actually done that assessment and followed it through and I can believe it, actually. You know, I can believe how that can happen. And that just shows the power of Pilates, doesn't it? Shows, I think, the power of a structured approach to exercise mm. done, done in a way that's body aware, that, that is also quite pleasant to do because you, you want a form of exercise that, can become part of life it can become a habit that is as much a habit as cleaning your teeth 
but something that's doing you that amount of good every day or every week or whatever it is that you devote to it that's that's enjoyable and that's making a difference in your situation and it is that's part of the self-management element that I think I'm a bit big advocate for equipping people with the information that they need to be able to live their best life and take control of their own futures by doing you know keeping track of things or doing these little movements each day however it might be because nobody can do it for us so this is not the end that's just the first part best installment about lattes for people with ms the next episode is available tomorrow so tune in and hear what else she's got to say there's a five-day challenge this five-day challenge is exactly what you'll need if you've recently been diagnosed with ms and you want to regain an element of control in your life details of how to find the group are on the multiple success facebook page thanks so much for listening to today's ms show Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. And if you'd like to get more involved with the MS Show, why not join our Facebook community? Just search Facebook for The MS Show. Come back soon for another dose of MS information and inspiration. You've been listening to The MS Show podcast.